Good to see you guys. My name's Tim, one of the pastors here. You have a handout with all of the announcements here uh, that's going on. I also want to say that um, we are Christmas Eve services. Thank you so much, those of you who came out, those of you who served. There were right at 500 people who came out for Christmas Eve. And uh, and also, we served, I guessed, uh, what was it, like almost 200 people close to of uh, with these baskets that you guys put together and that you, uh, you know, for the EMS, the police, and the firemen, I think every station got a got a gift basket that night from you guys and it was delivered you know so uh you guys do good work thank you for putting all that together on christmas yeah celebrate that's good in your handout you have a connect card and uh, if you would during the service at some point or when we take the offering up if you would fill this out if you have any prayer requests you can put that on here as well and on tuesdays at our staff meetings we pray over these cards and uh, divvy them out between all of us and and we go through them and pray and also, just let us know you're here, and if this is you're a first-time guest, we'd sure would like to know, uh, you know, that you are here, so we can drop you a note and say thanks for being here. Um, some of you know that I have a group uh, that I work with that uh, for the past, I guess, what four, five, six months, that I affectionately call my pit crew. That is my preachers or pastors in training, and uh, I have five folks I have, uh, you know, that I've, we've been working with. They preach me sermons, and then the, the whole team evaluates it, as, and they've been doing this for the last four or five months. In the first service this morning, Doug Gonzalez preached us a sermon, and it was just absolutely wonderful. This morning, uh, we have the distinct pleasure and also a blessing that Brian Bailey, who you see up here really often uh, doing the announcements and serving around here in all manner of fashion, uh, Brian is going to come and share with us today. Now, I, I want you guys to be the friendliest, the most <laughs> attentive and supportive church that, uh, that Brian could ever preach to, okay? Because it is a daunting thing to stand up in front of a group of people and preach. Brian has been with us for quite some time. He served around here. He's a faithful uh, servant and uh, part of the staff and he is in seminary right now at CIU, and uh, I want us to, Brian, come on. I want you to welcome him, Brian, and we're going to pray for him, and we're going to cut him loose. I want you to know also that the subject I gave them is the most terrifying subject a pastor could ever have. So he has a challenge, but I've heard it, and it's good. All right? So, Father, thank you for Brian. Thank you for his hunger for your word his love of you and his love of the church, his love of the vineyard here and how he and Tom and the family have given themselves to it and served so faithfully here. We pray, Holy Spirit, you would come upon Brian this morning. Speak to us through your word, through him, Lord. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning. And, uh, good morning. Really glad to be here as uh, Tim said, we are going to talk about everyone's favorite topic, giving, and uh, we'll see how this goes. I don't know, guys with beards talking about the Bible have had it a little rough the last couple of weeks, so we'll see. But <laughs> And like he said, I, I was a little, you know, nervous about talking about your money, um, 
for a little while until I realized, you know, this is a generous church. And I saw uh, during my time while I was serving uh, as outreach coordinator, I've seen firsthand how generous this church can be. So this is definitely not going to be an uphill battle, and I don't think it's going to be that big a challenge for us as we jump into it today. But um, like I said, it's about money, but it's not all about money. And when I think about giving in church, the first thing that comes to mind is my great-grandma. Great-grandma, uh, Grandma Hazel, was born in 1891 in Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania. So early in life, she went through the era of World War I, the Great Depression, World War II, and it, and it really affected her. And she was a very faithful uh, Methodist woman. And so my mom has filled our, our family with stories about her. And one of those stories is that great-grandma had a gold box that used, she used to keep right up on the um, mantle uh, over the fireplace. And in that, each week she would put her 10% tithe as well as as much more money as she could put in there for emergencies. And my family had a bakery, um, but before they had a storefront, they would literally drive a truck around town and sell the bread off of the back of the truck. And what great-grandma would do, especially during the Depression, is if she would see another family that uh, perhaps couldn't afford bread that morning, she would go ahead, not give them the bread from the bakery, but she would purchase it for them so that they would be able to eat that day. And similarly, if they were having problems, out of that gold box, she would give to her neighbors. So she always had money ready for the church and for emergencies. So this morning, we are going to talk about uh, things just like that and different kinds of tithing and different time kinds of giving. So um, covenantal, legalistic, and worshipful. So let's pray, and then we'll get into this. Father God, you are, as we just sang, good and generous. And so uh, speak to us on this subject this morning, Lord. If you would give, indeed, give me the gift of teaching. And to my hearers, Lord, give the gift of understanding. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So we are going to be over in Malachi, which is often used, a uh, book of the Old Testament, to talk about tithing. Um, but we're not going to go to the normal place. We're going to be in Malachi 1, uh, 1 6. And if you don't know who Malachi is, Malachi was a prophet whom God used to speak to uh, Judah after what they call the exile. So, you know, the Hebrew nation got into the promised land, messed up. <laughs> God had them basically carried out of the promised land and scattered about. The northern tribes were taken by um, Persians. The southern uh, remnant was taken by Judah, or I'm sorry, by Babylon. And um, so they regather in Jerusalem and basically rebuild the temple and the walls, and everything's going great. But like most of us, they get comfortable, and they start to neglect things. And the first thing they neglect is church and tithing. And so God uses Malachi to tell them, I've got a little problem with that. Um, you may even remember, well, this is going on in the book of Nehemiah is being written. And uh, Nehemiah goes back and even, you know, literally snatches some people bald over this. He's yanking people's hair out. So uh, this is what God has to say in Malachi 1.6. He says, a son honors his father and a servant his master. If then I am a father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is my fear? Says the Lord of hosts to you, O priests who despise my name. Harsh. Harsh. What God's referring to is 
covenant. He's talking about covenantal giving. And a covenant is nothing more than a special kind of contract. So it's, it's, it's an ongoing binding promise. Um, and just like a contract, you know, God's saying it's, it's got performance, things that have to be done on both sides. Um, it was initiated by someone with a little bit of authority. And uh, it's between two parties that can be held responsible. So God and the nation of uh, Judah. And God uses this language to express first, you know, that a father has responsibilities to his son. And a son has responsibilities to his father. But then, you know, if you notice in the next part, he, he kicks it up a notch. And he said, this isn't even just father and son relationship, which is very important. But this is like master to servant relationship. I own everything. You're here because of my grace. And that's part of this relationship. It's part of this covenant promise. God uses... Uh, several times in the Old Testament to talk about how he's going to um, bless the nations. Um, in Genesis 12, we have uh, Abraham given the covenant where God says, I'm going to make you into a great nation and you're, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to give so that you can bless others and give. Um, in Exodus 19 to 24, probably the event of the Old Testament God gives Moses the law. And this is where we get a lot of our ideas on tithing and giving. And uh, we have to really be able to see in all of that crazy list of rules, you can do this, you can't do that, and um, bulls and rams and pigeons and, you know, do this in this order, that God's giving us a lot of grace in that. In that he says, here's my character. Here's what I value and here's what I want you to value. Here's what I want my people to look like. He's saying, I'm not arbitrary. I'm not going to be different tomorrow. The rules aren't going to be this way one day and this way another. I'm going to spell it out for you. So that big mess that uh, we sometimes see in the law is, is really actually God giving us a lot of grace. But in that, he describes in how you bring in the tithe. Uh, the money into the church to provide for the work of the church exactly how to do that. So even though, and I know now, because of Jesus, we don't have to go through all of those elaborate rituals anymore. Jesus is a better priest than Aaron. And so the sacrifice has been given and done and atoned for it, and that's over. Um, and thank goodness, because I've seen baby lambs, and I don't think I could kill one. So... <clears throat> But all of the work of the church is provided for this way. Um, all of the outreach we do, things like Tuesday night, is provided for by your giving. All of the ministry that goes on on that end of the church with the youth and the family life ministry, that is provided for out of our giving. All of the missionaries that we support in this church and the missional work that the vineyard does is provided for out of our giving. Now, there is a little bit of a danger in looking at giving in just a covenantal form. That it can become, you know, a contract can sometimes seem mechanical. Or there's no heart or spirit in it. And it's something that we just do out of duty. So, that's when it becomes legalism or legalistic giving. And I'm not talking about 
There's times we each, you're just not feeling it. And I know it. And you're struggling at home, maybe financially, or you're struggling with something at work. It's the business just isn't there or things. And you're like, hmm, hmm. <laughs> and you write the check anyway. And you're not feeling it. That's not legalistic giving. That's faith. That's moving ahead in faith. So tithing, though, isn't rooted in legalism. It's where we replace feeling with rules, where we just put it on autopilot, or maybe we even use someone else's understanding of how and why we should give. We just let someone else tell us. And that's when we get questions like, you know, do I tithe on gross or net? Or what if I get a special bonus check? And those are all good, valid questions depending on the motivation of your heart. If you're asking questions like that so you can figure out how not to give, then you have to have a different conversation with yourself. So um, Jesus had a little bit to say about legalistic giving. Over in uh, Matthew 23, uh, verses 23 and 24, will come up on the screen. He's talking to the Pharisees. To set this up a little bit, it was his favorite group of people to pick on, by the way. Um, because these are guys who made a big deal out of how religious they were. These were guys who had no problem accumulating wealth. In first century Palestine, it, it really was a lot of haves and have-nots. Not a lot in between. And the Pharisees are definitely in the have category. Okay? So they've designed this whole elaborate thing to figure out how much money they should give to the temple. And Jesus says this to him. He says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin and neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. You blind guides, straightening out on a gnat, and swallowing a camel. You can just hear the frustration in Jesus' voice. He is not happy with these people. And I bet going through his mind, like we just read earlier in Malachi, toward the end of Malachi, God says, there's only three things I want from you. Do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. And Jesus says, you all have missed it. You're worried about how many mint leaves how many cumin seeds? You've just, you know, described this whole elaborate accounting method so that you can disconnect yourself from the reason that I want you to give. There's people next door to you starving, and the temple isn't able to do its work. But, hey, you're covered because you figured out your 10.000%. And FYI, there's nothing wrong with accounting practices. I'm married to an accountant. <laughs> but God wants your heart. He wants your heart involved in this. It's not the correctness of where your decimal point goes. And you know, if you think of other covenants in our life, there's all kinds. Um, marriage is a covenant. What would a one-sided legalistic marriage look like? Not good. 
Maybe some of you have experienced that. Employment is a kind of covenant. And yes, there's an exchange of goods and services. But isn't it so much better when you understand that your boss cares about you? And isn't it so much more worthwhile when you go to work and you care about the product or the service or something that you're providing? It's more than just that exchange. And that's what God says in this covenant, in this promise. It's about more than just the exchange. I think uh, David uh, is a great example of how we can respond to God's covenant, how we can have it have meaning and participation and fulfill our relationship. Over in 2 Samuel 7, uh, David has been pouring his heart out to God, saying, essentially, God, I, I want to build you this temple. I want to create a place where your glory can reside among your people permanently. No more of this, <coughs> excuse me, uh, house to house, tent to tent thing, rolling around all over the countryside. We're going to make this great place. And you can dwell within there. We can all come and worship you. And that's David's deepest desire to serve his God. And what does God say to him? Sorry, David, you're not going to do that. Solomon's going to do that. And so in that little bit of time where God essentially crushes David's deepest desires to serve him, David doesn't skip a beat. God explains to him, he said, what I'm going to do for you, though, is I'm going to put someone on the throne of Jesse, which is David's lineage, to reign forever. And David has a choice. He can say, oh, great, I'm going to be part of a great family. He doesn't look at his circumstance. He looks at the generosity of God, and he responds like this. And what more can David say to you? For you know your servant, O Lord God, because of your promise and according to your own heart, you have brought about all this greatness to make your servant know it. Therefore, you are great, O Lord God. There is none like you, and there is no God beside you, according to all that we have heard with our ears. David responds with worship. He responds to God's grace and his giving with worship. And we can respond that same way. Our tithing can be worship to God. Worship isn't only singing. I know that's where we, we usually go. But you know, why do we sing praise? Because it connects our heart to our tongue. It teaches our tongue what the God who gave us a heart of flesh, a heart of generosity, wants us to say. It teaches us to be able to encourage generously one another. It teaches our tongue to have kind, gentle, loving words for a world it is so full of hate. And in the same way, when we give, it connects our hands to our heart so that our words aren't just empty. And that just like our lips praise him, 
our hands can praise him with our giving and we can bless others. You know, we give out of what we have. We can't give out of what we don't have. And just like when, when we, we sing praise, God doesn't listen to that and say, Meh, compared to Parvarati, yeah, or Adele or Justin Bieber, he compares you to you. So we just give out of where our hearts are. So ask yourself this morning, where am I? Where am I with giving? You know, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, do you know what he's given you? He's literally snatched you out of death and given you life. Given you life abundant. Given you life abundant with hope. Given you life abundant with hope and purpose. It seems to me the response to that has got to be huge. Our response to that has to be worship. So if you would consider, we go into 2014, ask God to open those parts of your heart where we've kind of locked him away. You know, whether it's, whether it's giving financially or serving or, or, or whatever it is. Just make that part of that and intentionally say, God, show me. Show me where I can return to you even just a little bit of what you've given me. Some of you are going to say, what can I give God? He's got everything. He's God after all, right? (laughs) What can I give him that he needs? There's nothing that he needs except one thing, and that's you. If this morning you haven't given yourself to God yet, it's a chance. What an awesome chance. What a great way to start the new year. Say, God, here I am. I'm yours. Let's pray. Father, I I do thank you this morning that you are a generous God. And as we celebrated all last week that that you gave your son not just so we could learn from him or or, or know his teaching, Father, but so that we could be redeemed to you, so that we could be reconciled to you. Father, I thank you. And I ask you this morning, just move in our hearts, soften our hearts toward you. In Jesus' name, amen.